one podcast. Mining the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salt. This is The Howling Salt Mine. It's The Howling Salt Mine. The Howling Salt Mine. Hey everybody, and welcome to The Howling Salt Mine Podcast. I'm your host, Sam, and as always, I'm joined with my two co-hosts, Mike and Tony. Say hey, guys. What up, what up? What, what? <laughs> and Tony. <laughs> I like laugh. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you? <laughs> and we have a special, special guest today. <laughs> we have a special, special, special guest today. <laughs> <laughs> Our first guest on the show. This is Nick. Our fourth pod member, the fabled Nick that we talk about frequently on this show. Say hey, Nick. Hey, Nick. Uh, <laughs> long time caller, first time listener. Uh, how's everybody doing? Good, man. Glad you could be on. That's good. This is awesome. Like <laughs> to the listeners, if you guys haven't heard this show before, we're the Howling Salt Mine podcast. What we do is we mine the Magic the Gathering subreddits for salty content. We're looking for salty posts. We are looking for posts about playgroup drama, things that'll spark a discussion with us, things that will will kind of make you laugh and and make you think about some of the funny situations out there. And we haul those up out of those stinky dank minds, and then we share them with you. But Sam, what's salt? Great question, Tony. <laughs> salt is salt is frustration that you feel in the game when things aren't going your way. Or when there's an upset that really, you know, turns over your board state, messes with your game plan, or otherwise kind of ruins your gaming experience. Salt can be someone who is kind of a jerk at the table or has a bad attitude. Their salt can make you salty. You know, salt appears a lot in this game. So Nick, uh, being our first guest, we wanted to ask you a couple questions. Oh boy, here we go. Just, just so the listeners can kind of, you know, know who you are a little bit better. How long have you been playing Magic? Uh, the first time I started playing magic was back in college. So that was 2008 ish, uh, starting with like eventide, uh, lore win era block. I still have fond memory. Awesome uh, sets. Hopefully, hopefully we'll go back to those someday. I hope so. Uh, but then I didn't, I didn't play magic for a long while until well after I graduated, probably around 2016 was when I started playing again, kind of full time, quote unquote, uh, with, a with my other friend group. Other and, friends, other friends, I have other friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, been playing pretty consistently ever since then, almost exclusively commander. You guys know that I, I only really play commander. I don't really like draft or anything like that, but yep, for sure. So what are some situations in playing magic or just in magic as a whole that you feel like classically make you salty? Ooh. I feel like anytime I'm going to pop off and then somebody stops it, that's always a little salt inducing. And like, it's, it's fully understandable in the game, but those are like, oh man, like I was, that was going to happen, man. It's going to be big. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then usually it's like Sam or Tony says a counter spell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the end of it. It's like, oh, oh man. Yeah, there's something about being like so close that yep. just makes it so painful. I think those are the big ones. I generally don't mind stacks. I think I also play a lot of stacks. Mm -hmm. I also play a lot of control. So like, I don't really mind those to some extent, but 
the big ones is like when you're about to have your, your big moment and it gets cast aside. I think a big one that I've seen with you, Nick, is when someone just kind of interacts with you super early during your setup. Like you're just, you're just kind of doing your own thing, building up your board state and Tony or I are usually <laughs> it's like, Tony. it's Tony. Like, just like <laughs> fuck up something of yours. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I was just building my little house over here. <laughs> I'm not sure how much like background has been shared here yet, but Tony and I generally tend to have an ongoing grudge with each other. during. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is not something that ever ends or is only limited to one game. It is consistent. We consistently trade salty blows with each other. Between yeah. games. <laughs> one of my favorite parts about that is I think you guys had played a few times before Tony invited me to come along Yeah. from my very first game playing with you guys. I remember the two of you being like, already like blood feuded so it's like <laughs> it's been something like literally for years since like the first time uh i played with you guys which is awesome and i think it's interesting because it kind of stems from the fact that nick and i played together first mm-hmm. so like i played in the pod with the other friends a little bit and like i only really knew nick so i felt like i'll just target nick stuff because like <laughs> i know nick and then when we started playing with you guys, it was almost the reverse of that. It's like, well, they're new and Nick's here. So I'll <laughs> <laughs> it's just what seemed to work, you know? I love that dynamic. I mean, there are so many games where like, especially when we used to play in person more often, where like you, we'd start playing, you two would start feuding. Mike and I would just look at each other and be like, hey, we, we can take it easy this game. <laughs> the, pre- the pressure's off of us. We know how this one's going to go. Oh, this is a low damage game for me. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you guys are just building board states and Nick and I are like fucking destroying each other over like <laughs> the beginning of the game. Someone stopped one little thing. <laughs> I will say in my defense, I think Tony generally holds more of a grudge than I do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> Tony gets hit by one damage and then the rest of his attacks go at whoever hit him. Right. <laughs> I do start many games with that sort of thought in mind. <laughs> like yeah. the first thing that happens to me, everything's just going there. You got to teach him a lesson. Got to let him know. <laughs> Can't fuck with your shit, you know? <laughs> oh man, so good. All right, guys. Well, let's get into it, huh? So I got a few great posts here. This first post comes to us from user messing with lions. If you guys see user messing with lions on the EDH subreddits, go give them an upvote. And this is titled group hug players. Please stop being a hidden combo deck. <laughs> this is particularly <laughs> relevant because we just finished playing a game where Tony was playing his group hug deck. So <laughs> the, the post goes, I've been running into this a lot lately, and I'm tired of being gaslighted by these combo decks that use group hug to ramp and search for pieces while saying they're just group hug, then complaining that I'm an asshole when I attack them because they just want to help everyone, only to infinite combo three turns later. I'm perfectly happy to play against any archetype. Just don't lie about what you are and use it as a way to yell at people for attacking you. Combo decks are fine. Just don't lie and say you're group hug. End of rant. I like that they cupped it off there. End of rant. (laughs) I I have some thoughts. Yeah, give it to us. Well, I mean, like, isn't that the nature of group hug? Like, what what are you expecting, right? Like, what is the alternative other than, like, they're just going to be, like, the gentle giant of the table and just be, you know, their good graces. Like, they don't want to win the game. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you're expecting beyond that. Yeah, I've never seen, like, 
if my whole game plan is just giving you resources, there's never that without actually a win con. Like, right. in fact, I think if someone ended up playing against a group hug deck that didn't have a win con, they'd get grumpy about that. They'd be like, this guy in my pod is just playing group hug and he doesn't even have a way to win the game. It's like, okay, he can't have it both ways. Well, I think you guys are getting to where the salt comes from here because this person isn't saying that group hug decks can't have a, a win or can't have a combo win. They're saying that when you are attacking or focusing a group hug player, they're always saying, I'm just group hug. I'm just group hug. Don't attack me. Don't direct things at me. I'm just here to help everyone draw and ramp and it's all chill. Yeah, I feel like that group hug player is probably just kind of bad at doing it then because it's like <laughs> such a freak. Like those are like political decks, right? Like yeah. that's half of it. So, you know, I, I run one that is not like super aggressive. And honestly, it's probably a little too group huggy because I'll I'll ramp everyone else and give everyone a bunch of cards and be like, uh, whip. But then <laughs> you know, it's it's just like an interesting dynamic you create. But you have you you have to create it right. Like I have to get everyone else to be like, yeah, leave me alone, let me do my thing, and then you win a lot with that deck, though. Yeah, for sure. But it's because it's like I feel like I play it well, you know, toss toss. <laughs> I mean, like to some extent, though, the gaslighting is part of the politics, of that, <laughs> right? Like, I, I feel like that would be expected, right? If you're playing the group hug, you're trying to, you know, shirk the the other players in the pod to point them elsewhere and be like, well, it's, I'm not going to be a problem. You can ignore me, right? So, like, that feels like part of the game plan. And I, I it feels fully expected from that type of deck. Yeah, I can't, I totally agree. And I think that's the piece that Tony does really well. He's like, ooh, well, if you don't attack me, I'll give you some cards. And people are like, yeah. oh, actually, that is pretty enticing. A group hug player that's just sitting there and is like, oh, don't attack me. It's like, you're not giving me a reason. I get that you're saying your deck is group hug, but that's not alone going to stop me from attacking you. You need to actually be able to politically give me something that I'm going to gain. Like Nick was saying, there's an element of any table politics that is deflection of threat, right? Whenever your board state is growing, there's some element of pointing to other board states and saying, well, I'm not as threatening as that one, or I'm not as scary as that one. And for the group hug player, a lot of that is saying, well, I'm giving you these resources. So don't you want to keep me alive? Don't you want to keep me around? And you know, honestly, I think this person is probably making the right move attacking those players because you got to win somehow, you know? Yeah, I have, I have a couple of thoughts from a like playgroup dynamics perspective here, because I think there's two things. One, I would say is if, if this person is playing with like a regular pod where they have the same player who's constantly making the same like, oh, don't attack me, right? Have the conversation, be like, hey, that's annoying when you do that. <laughs> you know, when, when you guys are talking about me being the most powerful on the table, I tend to shut up and just like <laughs> let you guys debate it out rather than like I've learned my lesson enough times to try and intervene. Like, I'm not a big threat. Like, I'll just sit there quietly, like watching you guys talk about stuff. And, and maybe that's what this group needs to take on is like rather than trying to be super political and in talk, just take a moment to, to step aside and let them talk it out about what's going on. Yeah, that's a good point. Sometimes by protesting too much at a table, you kind of put more focus on yourself. Right. You know, like Tony does this all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean my deck's not janky? Oh, wow, Seaborn. Oh, guys, Seaborn just came down. Wow. That's, did you guys see that? That's, that's scary. This, this is 100. Did you guys see that? <laughs> this is 100% a problem of like the boy who cried wolf, though. Mm. Yeah. I feel like 
I, I do feel like sometimes now when we do play, there are things that I'm like, no, that really is a problem. And I feel like Sam in particular feeds into this. It's like, <laughs> oh, Tony's just doing the thing that Tony does. And it's always become established. But like, you know, at the end of the day, it's so like, true. <laughs> circling back to this post, it seems like the major piece is just a, they're wombo comboing. And like, that wasn't what people were sort of led to believe. But yeah. so... What are people thinking? Uh, what's the salt salt rating here? Nick, do you want to give us your first salt rating? Love uh, to hear it. Yeah, I would say three McDonald's packets of salt. On <laughs> little tiny baby ones. <laughs> yeah. Nothing too crazy, but but still enough to to spice it up a bit. Oh, absolutely. I I double down on that. I think you're tasting it here. You're definitely noticing that there's some extra salt added. But it's not so much that it's going to like stop, you know, these people from playing together again or anything. A lot of it could probably be avoided by a simple like, hey, maybe try and not just whine when I attack you and like give me a reason <laughs> not to. Well, I feel like anytime anybody ends a post with the phrase end rant, right, that's a good sign of like what the perspective salt rating might be. Right? Yeah, definitely yeah. not zero. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's definitely some salt here. Clearly just frustrations with like that table dynamic of, of somebody constantly deflecting over and over again. And again, you gotta, like we've been saying, you gotta understand that every deck, if it's built right, has a win con and wants to win at some point and you are going to get attacked. Even if you're giving everybody else some advantage, you gotta be ready to take some damage and you can't always just be like, don't attack me because otherwise the other people won't win ever. <laughs> Sweet. On to the next one, guys. No one cares what you think on that one, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't salt rating. always give one and like, <laughs> I'm cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are going to talk about one. This is in a very similar vein. This one comes to us from one of our friends on Reddit. And the title here is Stop Complaining About Being Targeted. It's extremely annoying and brings the whole mood of the table down. <laughs> wow, what a follow-up follow i know here. right a little collar for me on that one <laughs> <laughs> and it goes there's a guy at my lgs that plays a calia deck i'm assuming calia of the vast which i don't really have a problem with but you best believe that if i ever have a way to stop or slow down the deck i'm gonna go for it the other day i was playing my ruhan giant tribal voltron deck and used Swords to Plowshares on his Kalia as soon as it was casted. I can get being a little salty about that. But then during combat on my turn, the random selection that my commander does, I rolled for him, the Kalia player. So I wasn't even focusing him, just my extremely angry commander having a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> and he had no blockers, so he got slammed for 11 when all was said and done. And since I had Ryu in play, one of the newer Samurai cards, I got another combat phase and rolled him again. So he died on turn five or something. <laughs> Obviously, that would be annoying, especially because he just got really unlucky back to back on the random selection. But he proceeded to start complaining about he always gets targeted whenever he plays this deck. And it's not fair because it's his favorite deck and he doesn't get to play it. It was only the second game by that point, but everyone basically had enough after his whining and we called it quits. If you are the biggest threat on the table, you are going to be targeted. Don't play a deck that is ungodly strong if you aren't ready to be targeted. Well said. Yeah, for real. Like there, there are certain commanders that you just can't 
leave. Like if you just leave it there, yeah, they're just going to steamroll every time. Like value like that, that's like similar to like a prismatic bridge deck. Getting free huge spells in magic is super powerful. So like you have to target those people. Uh, I want to just read a couple of these cards in the post just so the listeners have context. Uh, I think a lot of people know who Kalia of the Vast is, but it's a uh, legendary creature human cleric for one, a red, a white, and a black. It's got flying, and it's a 2-2. Most importantly, it has this bit of text. Whenever Kalia of the Vast attacks an opponent, you may put an angel, demon, or dragon card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped in attacking that opponent. Again, this is like super strong, free value. I think a lot of players know that angel, demon, and dragon cards are generally like bombs. They're super strong, you know, five plus CMC cards. You're cheating mana cost. You're doing very powerful things, getting a lot of value out. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a little bit like some of the conversations we've had about Prismatic Bridge, where if a card, it's just one of those cards that you either kind of have to answer before it starts going or you're just going to get overwhelmed by the value that comes out of it. And lastly, I, I just want to touch on Ruhan, uh, because this has to do with that random damage dealing. Ruhan of the Fomori is a legendary giant warrior. It costs one, a red, a white, and a blue, and it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. And at the beginning of combat on your turn, you choose an opponent at random, and Ruhan of the Fomori attacks that player this combat, if able. This goes back to what the OP in this post was talking about, how it was just kind of shit luck that this person got, you know, targeted using air quotes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I figured that would give some some good context here. Yeah, a couple thoughts. There, there's two things that come to mind. One is there's just the case of like bad breaks, right? You know, they mentioned the random, the two random hits twice in a row, like that sucks. And like getting frustrated with that is understandable. But I also think there's, it sounds like this is probably a regular play group and it seems like there's a power level mismatch, right? You know, we've had this conversation, I think you even brought it up on a previous episode, right? Where it's like, if you have a pet deck that you want to play, like that's fine, but like have the conversation with your group to say like, hey, I want to play at this power level, making sure that everybody else is going to be able to like handle that and not and understanding that I'm not going to get targeted because I want to play my fun deck because everybody else has comparably powerful decks to mm-hmm. play. Yeah, definitely. And you can even do stuff where someone is playing a deck that's like known to be a little bit stronger, but everyone kind of knows that and is it's maybe okay if that ends up being a little more of an arch enemy situation. So you can find a way to balance that by agree that it, it's going to take some level of discussion outside of just uh, don't focus me. This feels unfair. I think also there's an element of accepting that that's the style of deck. People are going to target you and like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but like you got to find a new favorite. Like Kalia the Vast was actually my first commander deck. And like I never play it anymore. I think I have it somewhere because like every time I put it out, I just get wrecked. I also built it like it was trash. But like, well, I think that's a good point, right? Is like there are other ways to build the deck, right? If you know you're going to get targeted, put in more commander protection, right? Run all the lightning greaves and the boots and, you know, whatever else you need to, to make sure that your commander can't get hit. If that's an important piece to your deck, there are ways to work around the issue of I'm going to be constantly targeted, but I know that. So I've built my deck to account for it. Totally. There's something about linchpin commander decks, and this is totally one of them. The whole deck is centered around Kalia. Without Kalia, the deck isn't going to quite do the same thing. 
I mean, you guys know that I think I've talked about it a couple times on this podcast so far, but I have this Marisi Breaker of the Coil deck. I love it. It's super fun. I like it because it has like an interesting <laughs> kind of table politic thing where I just force everyone to kill each other. <laughs> but it is a salty deck. I'm forcing people to take game actions that they might not want to do. They are staying open. Sometimes I am locking them out. We'll probably do a salty deck tech about it at some point. But over time, I have known that Marisi is going to get removed. Uh, if Marisi sticks around for a whole turn rotation, that's like awesome. And, and things have gone very well. So I've built in tons and tons of protection into that deck. But also when Marisi gets removed, I just know that that's going to happen. You got to kind of enter those games with a little bit of like armor on and know that you are going to get heat and that, that that's the game now. The game isn't, hey, I'm going to steamroll everyone with Kalia. The game is, how much can I do with Kalia before the heat gets on me? How can I play that where maybe I, I try not to look as threatening or make game decisions where I'm not overextending and immediately becoming the, uh, the target out there? Yeah, and I think that's like what you also touched on there is like when you rebuilt that deck, I, I find that you cast Marisi less mm -hmm. like once it's been removed you you're doing other things like in a lot of these decks where like you truly build a linchpin and you can't do anything without the commander like that's the fault like rebuilding it so it's like all right i know it's gonna get removed so i'm only gonna have it maybe once maybe twice taking that into account definitely i think there's also an interesting point sam you made about bringing the heat on you which mm -hmm. is like i think they i've talked about this before with you guys but i think it's been mentioned on game nights which is like the best position to be in a commander game is like the second most powerful player on the board because you're not being primary. You're not the arch enemy of the table. You're still doing a lot of stuff and contributing to the overall, you know, advancing of the game, but you're not drawing that heat on you. And maybe this is a, a lesson the, the Kalia player can take back and say like, okay, I need to tone it down a bit in the early game until I'm ready to win. So that way I'm not kind of drawing the, the ire of the rest of my my play group totally i mean you guys are are i think you're spot on with what you're saying here like in addition to my marisi deck i also have a rafik deck which is basically a like a deck for one-shotting people with commander damage and when i first started to play these decks i would drop rafik out as early as possible like it would be turn two or three and i'd be like man a turn two or three rafik is the best a turn two or three marisi is the best because i'm going to start doing the thing that they want to do but when you start a game and everyone mulligans to their hand and someone has a swords to plowshares in their hand and there is only one super powerful creature on the board early game guess who's going to get hit with the swords to plowshares if you're putting out a very valuable piece of your deck as the first major threat on the board, it's going to eat the first removal that gets out there. That gets exactly to the point that you're saying, Nick, about like slow playing early turns and just learning that, hey, you're going to cast Kali on turn six. You're still going to get that value. It's still going to be good, but you're not going to be like the tallest nail. Alrighty. So what are we thinking? What's the salt rating here? I think this is, is actually pretty low salt. Well, I should say the post is pretty low salt. The Kalia player is extremely salty. <laughs> and, and it's really a sulky salt. Like, uh, like you jumped in the ocean with all your clothes on and came out and you're just totally dripping wet, feeling bad, 
and you know, have like a salty taste in your mouth. Yeah. And as you dry off, the salt is like crusted to your body. And yeah, like, uh, like layer. <laughs> it's just that self-defeating salt where you're you're like, man, everything bad happens to me and and woe is me, you know, mm-hmm. but but the poster themselves, the OP here, man, they're just they're just speaking the truth. Love it. I will say, though, there is a little bit of salt because the person who posted it had to have enough salt to go post it in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They were grumpy that their game wasn't was was right. brought down by that. Yeah. Appropriate salt. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if there's a salt monster at your table, that's that's bringing everyone down. Like <laughs> it, some of it rubs off on you. Yep. I should true. know because I've been that salt monster <laughs> for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So uh, what else you got for us, Sam? You know, that was kind of a lot of salt, guys. I think maybe we have something a little sweet here. Take mm. a little sugar break. Mm. Sugar break. Sugar break. Sugar break. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a recent post and actually got a lot of attention, as a lot of these sugar break posts do. These ones tend to be kind of popular. This one comes to us from user, if it should please you. If you guys see user, if it should please you on the subreddits, go give them an upvote. If you haven't already, because again, this is very upvoted post, almost (laughs) at like 3000. And the post is titled, sold my deck to a kid yesterday. And it goes, I was visiting a friend in a city a few hours away from my place and decided to hit up a card shop while I was around. There was this dad with his little girl playing in a pod that I joined because they needed a fourth. I made a shoebox Minsk and Boo Timeless Heroes deck after I bought a Commander Legends box. The little girl, I'd say she was around 10-ish, really liked that I made a hamster to fight with and kept laughing when I would say, I'll throw a hamster at your face and go for the eyes, Boo. I won since it was a pretty low power table and Minsk and Boo gives you a lot of card advantage if it isn't stopped. After the game, the girl said she really likes my deck and asked her dad if he would help her build one like mine. So he just asked me point blank if I'd be willing to sell it. Bold. Love that. Yeah. Good dad move right there. <laughs> yeah. Super dad move. I told him my deck was worth around a hundred bucks. He said he only had 60 on him, but if I'd wait, he could go to an ATM. I told him 60 was fine because it was enough to recoup the cards I'd want to keep and pay for the satin tower, the container for the, the deck there. So now a little girl got a hamster deck, a father got a deal, and I got a warm, fuzzy feeling from helping a dad and a daughter enjoy the game more. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that great? Warm and fuzzies, baby. Warm and fuzzies. Yeah. Love that. I love that, man. Like, especially getting getting a little kid into the game of magic and also something that like they're doing with their father. I just think that's super, super mm-hmm. cool. And, and it taps into something that I think as people play a lot of magic, you kind of forget a little bit of like the world building, the theme, the kind of the inherent like story that exists when you're playing the game. You know, sometimes it takes like a kid playing the game to remind you of that, that the theory really is here that you're creating these creatures and you're sending them at yeah. each other and you're, <laughs> you know, you're playing, you've got a hamster, you're learning spells and things like that. And you know, I just I love to see kind of that that core game identity really identified by a kid like that. That's awesome. Definitely. Yeah, I totally get that. I remember like before I even played Magic, like I had just like random cards that 
I had picked up, you know, when I was a kid and my favorite card, knew, knew nothing about the game, nothing about the story, but Phyrexian Reaper is this like heavy metal looking dude, like skeleton. <laughs> he's got this kind of, it looks like a combination between like a guitar and a machine gun that he's kind of like holstering. Like, oh, this is so cool. Magic is amazing. Like, this is so awesome. And like that card in particular was like, you know, to, to this girl, it sounds like it's the hamster, but for me, that was definitely one of the, one of the more memorable ones from my, my childhood. So I appreciate that. Definitely. Yeah. I love that, that childhood wonderment that comes with games like this. You know, sometimes we, we focus so much on the mechanics that you kind of lose sight of, of like the imagination aspect of it that you guys are talking about. You know, I remember when I first got into card games in general, I bought cards for this game that is now defunct, was an amazing game called Magi Nation. And I didn't even play it. I would just put the cards out and look at them. And I loved like the art and I would just <laughs> look at them. And finally, some, some older friends, a very similar situation to this, some, some older folks started to play with me and like taught me how to play the game and like brought me into their crew. And I'm still friends with a bunch of those people. I think you can do a lot of like really good in a game like this by a small sacrifice of giving some cards away, giving your time away. And like that kind of stuff means so much to kids. And it's it's just special. All that is real good. And I love that. But I can't help but think, I don't think I have a single deck that if somebody was like, yo, can I just like buy that? I could. I'd be like, sorry, the deck's like, do you, be like, do you have 400 bucks on you? Because I've got like a lot of <laughs> here now. I've just like collected too long. And like, I feel like I used to have decks that were like 50 bucks and that was it. And like, I've been playing for a while now. So like... It, I just don't have those. Like, I don't bring those around, but I'm super happy that he was like able to do that because I think everything we're touching on is great. <laughs> just buys a CDH <laughs> deck for his. Daughter. I know. That's what uh, that Timna Thrasios uh, Razakat's deck is so cool. <laughs> I just love to imagine Thrasios <laughs> I just love the themes drawing of it. cards and putting land into play. <laughs> Actually, I guess I got that one that's like a fully proxied CDH deck that was like 30 bucks. <laughs> so like, I could do that one. Tony proxies are illegal. What are you talking about? Uh, I, I don't use play proxies. test cards. Play test cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was sweet, guys. Nice little sugar break. Mm. Yum. Ready for more <laughs> salt? <laughs> Bring the salt. <laughs> Let's balance it back with some salt. I got one more salty boast for you guys. This comes to us from Super Downvote Master. Love the username. So good. <laughs> and this actually comes from the Magic TCG subreddit. We are straying outside of our comfort zone, outside of our safe haven of the EDH subreddit into, uh, into dangerous territory here. How do you tell the guy in your playgroup nicely that his decks are too strong? And the post goes, we play casually. And he's building decks that are consistently way better than ours. It's getting to the point that I almost don't want to invite him anymore because he constantly wins and he doesn't have a clue how it's a buzzkill for the rest of the group. The rest of us don't have the budget to keep up with his builds. Nice and short and to the point. My immediate thought at first was uh, like, get good, build better decks. But like, <laughs> I guess they're saying it's a cost thing. Like, sure, I get it. Like, it's an expensive hobby that we live, right? Yeah, for sure. To to answer the uh, the poster's question, I think you pull him aside and you say, "Hey, your decks are too strong and they're not fun to play against." <laughs> yeah, yeah. The title of the post has the answer right in it. That's an easy one. <laughs> Next, I think the key though is, is that that like 
it's there's something different about when someone says like it's just not fun to play against and i feel like most people don't phrase it that way when they actually go to talk to the person they try and be like oh like your stuff's too powerful you have to bring it down like like i we're we're having a hard time keeping our border but like when i've ended a game experience and i can tell that the table didn't have fun i don't feel good and i either change the deck or i like just don't play it anymore for a while you know Definitely. I, I will just point out quickly that there is an edit on here where the OP of this post does basically say like, you know, we're going to have like a rule zero conversation and that they generally have been avoiding that direct confrontation. So I, I think that message has gotten across. But Tony, you're totally right. I mean, I've done the same where I've built really strong decks or had moments where my deck was just steamrolling over the rest of the table and it doesn't feel good. You know, like I think of the last time I played Gave. And I had, I had like doubling season and all this other shit out and I was living the dream. And you guys were just watching me play like 20 minute turns of magic and being like, did you really have to play the Gave deck? (laughs) (laughs) I think everybody goes through that phase of deck building where like you get so involved in the headspace of building the deck and like thinking about what it's going to be like to play it from your perspective that you totally forget what it means to for the rest of the play group definitely like i know you've done the same because i did the same thing build a memnarch deck and then be like (laughs) oh yeah this deck is gonna be so awesome i'm gonna steal everybody's stuff it's gonna be so cool to like play everybody else's cards and then you play that deck one time and you just look at the like dejected faces across the pod as everybody's like (laughs) you're sad like oh no that memnarch again and then you play that deck never again and then it goes into the recycle bin Yeah. And we've talked about a few ways to deal with some stuff like this too, you know, building each other decks or setting a budget limit. There's a lot of ways you can deal with it um, if you want to set some hard caps. But another thing to think about just is like, if someone showed up with exactly the deck that you're building and sat across the table from you, would you be excited to play against it? If you say, yes, you're excited to play against the Memnarch deck you built, sit down and have a long think because because you know, it's not something true because you're lying because yeah, it's not true and you're lying <laughs> so it is a little bit of like player empathy and the guy in your pod might not have that and if that's true then yeah you have to have that conversation with them i mean i think there's a point here which is like you know you have to have the rule to zero discussion you need to be more thoughtful about deck building and like to some extent right if you want to build the mean deck that's fine but again like if you talk about it ahead of time and you're playing other mean decks then everybody you know knows what to expect i think um i want to say it was like playing with power one of the other cdh play groups that has like a podcast they have a saying where it's like if everybody shows up to a table with nukes and a nuke goes off no one is surprised and no one is kind of hurt by that <laughs> probably something great. this play group could could embrace as well yeah I think I should take the opportunity now because we have the full, our full pod here on the episode. I do want to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about how we generally handle this stuff. I mean, Mike already mentioned that we've done things like build decks for each other and stuff like that. But very often, one of us will build a new deck, bring it to the table, and we'll play a game. And sometimes at the end of that game, we will kind of have a discussion and say, hey, that was too strong for the table, you know? And we kind of fall in a few different power levels. We've talked about how we, we play CDH and we keep that totally separate from casual. But within casual, we sort of have these soft power levels that our group has defined because our meta is tight. 
and we have like low, mid, and high. Doesn't seem super complicated, but a lot of thought and experience has gone into where we feel those levels fall. And when we build a new deck or when we sit down to play a game, we can call out one of those power levels, grab our decks that match into those general categories and generally have a really good time. And sometimes you build a deck and you put it down on a, at a medium table and hey, turns out it was high power and Willow Dusk killed everybody really fast <laughs> and we're all <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> Or your name is Tony, and and every time people say let's play a medium or low power game, you bust out your your jank spank warden, Grenzo, <laughs> yeah, and then say, oh wow, I'm surprised that doesn't usually happen. I never win. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh, I think in general, a lot of my decks are just straight up worse than a lot of the decks you guys build. Like my things, my my things often like fall a little bit behind the power curve. But there's an element of that can be okay too. Sometimes you bring a mid power to a high power game. And as long as you're not completely like schlepping along and you know, you're maybe interacting once or twice, like you can still have a good time with there being a power imbalance, but mm -hmm. it becomes a little more important to be aware that that you're signing up for that rather than that being like a blind surprise or something that's happening every game. Definitely. I mean, I think there's a big part of this too, which is like the there is a significant difference between the like consistent pod versus the playing at a game shop with some set of strangers maybe there's some consistent phases that you're playing with repeatedly totally. but but in general right our meta is consistent because we are consistent and we play with each other all the time so i don't know how much that will translate into the like you know low mid and high might not work at a, at a local game shop but yeah yeah so circling back to the post What's the salt rating voice? It feels pretty low to me. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that like they had the edit to say like, yeah, you're right. We're going to go have the talk, right? Like this was a low sodium soy sauce to me. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> the salt hadn't even boiled over into a conversation yet. Yeah. That really does signal like pretty mild salt to me. Um, it may be internal, but I think words start coming out pretty quickly when there's really hurt feelings like this. Yeah, this is like a premonition of salt. And this person is taking the right actions and, and doing the right things to really have that conversation and you know, kind of create a balanced play group like what we're talking about. Yeah, they could have skipped the Reddit post and gone right into talking with this person. That would have been fine too. But hey. it's uh it's fine to it's fine to seek advice, you know, nothing wrong That's with why that. So for me, I feel like it's like at a fancy restaurant when they give you the nice bread and it's got the salt on top. Like it all seems nice until you hit it. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that, there's some salt there. Like, like a that, finishing uh, salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you see salt. Well, guys, I think it is that time, the time of the week. It comes every week where we ask Mike, Mike, what's the salty card of the week? Oh, boy. I, uh, I've chosen a special one. I've tried to pick something that I thought our guest would enjoy conversing about here. Uh, and so our Custom salty card, card of the week here is Negan, the cold blooded. Ooh. So this is two, a red, a white and a black. It's a legendary creature, human rogue. It has when Negan enters the battlefield, you and target opponent each secretly choose a creature that player controls. Then those choices are revealed and th that player sacrifices those creatures. Whenever an opponent sacrifices a creature, you create a treasure token. It is a 4-3. 
And now a very important relevant part about this is that this card was released during the Walking Dead secret lair drop. <laughs> oh, man. So I'll, uh, I'll start it off with you, Nick. Nick, does this card make you salty? Uh, no, it does not. And Ooh. that is a controversial statement, I think, because <laughs> a lot of people feel very differently. Yeah, people in this room like me. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was and still am pretty against those. I don't know. Like like we talked about earlier in the in this this episode, right? There's, there's a universe. There's things that to me, I want it to like make sense and come from it. And and this is like sort of separate from the game, right? We're talking about like higher level of of salt a different flavor of salt i should say uh, <laughs> but i definitely i definitely feel that i thoroughly enjoyed eating all of the salt when this was announced <laughs> i really loved just reading all of the tears and everybody complaining about oh this is the end of magic i'm never buying another magic card again <laughs> very very enjoyable so i'm i'm definitely like taking the full thing of soy sauce and dumping it everywhere <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was wonderful to watch because we here we are what two years later and, and magic is is still going just fine and those people who said they would never buy cards probably bought cards yeah and they're still doing it yeah yeah for, for me this card gives me no salt uh frankly i i think it's got some really dope mechanics and i do wish it was printed on just like a regular ass magic card just so I can play with it because it's got some cool mechanics and I don't really want to buy that. I will say that I'm not a huge fan of the universes beyond cards, specifically the ones that have portraits of real ass people on them because I think they look strange. It's like an mm -hmm. uncanny valley kind of thing for me. Whereas like some of the other ones that they've done uh, don't bother me as much because it's more of like a cartoony thing. Like I'm hoping that the Lord of the Rings one isn't just like, fucking it's not just a fucking picture of elijah wood like smiling on my magic card i want it to be like you know some fantasy hobbit like actual magic art not just a picture of an actor that's the thing that i don't like but when it comes to that you know the cap is off the shaker and the salt is already spilled out like we can't put it back in the shaker at this point mm -hmm. magic is gonna keep creating these and if you don't like it you don't buy them and if you do like it, you do buy them and that's really what it comes down to i, I think a lot of viewpoints on this are valid. I think people are right to hate it. I think people are right to love it if that's like their fandom and shit. For me, I'm very lukewarm on it. This actually brings up a good memory of one of my favorite posts when these came out. It was a post, I think on is the EDH or Magic subreddit, I can't remember, but it was basically some person complaining because a kid brought in one of the Walking Dead decks and like, he was like, I'm going to refuse to play with kids that like, it's like, come on, man, grow yeah. up. Like you're playing a card game. Like how old are you? Like, yeah, that salt is bubbling over. The, the kid wants to play the walking dead deck. Like what difference does it make to you? Like, geez. especially with a kid, like, come on. We just talked about a wholesome post with a kid. Like, yeah. like can we just be nice <laughs> to children? Yeah. That's a pretty low bar. I think in general, just do that. Like, how do you feel about this card? You get salty with it at all? No, so I don't get super salty about this. I think one of the funny things is that I really like The Walking Dead. Initially, I like uh, <laughs> the graphic novels and stuff. Some of the TV shows pretty eh, but overall, what really does strike me about this card is I think there's like a 2% chance that this is anywhere on the salty card list because of uh, the mechanics. I don't think yeah. it's the mechanics that people hate about this. I think it's yeah. it's purely on here because of its environment and the 
the situation that it was released and came out in and it being secret layer only. And I think it's really interesting to compare this to some of the other universes beyond or the other crossover things where like, I think the Warhammer 40,000 reception has been incredibly different compared to this. Totally. um, You know, I think people are a little more excited about if it, there's a Lord of the Rings one confirmed, right? That's real. Yep. Yeah. So it's I think like people a are set. a lot more interested in that. And I think to your point, Sam, there's, you know, there's certain things that sort of feel like they fit in the mythos of magic. And then there's certain things that don't. And The Walking Dead, sure, it's got zombies, which are sort of magic related, but mm-hmm. it, it feels like it's set on Earth. It doesn't feel like the correct link. So, but this card, you know, I would be willing to play against someone that had it. But uh, I'm also a little bit grateful that no one in our pod has built one of these. <laughs> if I could hazard a guess on the two saltiest cards from that release, I would guess it's Negan. I'd never watched the show, but I've heard that that character does some like problematic shit. And there's some problems with that, too. We're not going to talk about specifics. And then I would guess the other one is Rick and the Steadfast Leader. And the reason for that is that Rick's Steadfast Leader is a fucking dope card. <laughs> and the fact that it is exclusive does make me salty. That one I feel very differently about <laughs> because I have a Winota deck and I would love to have that in there because it's so fucking good. But it's also like 60 bucks. Anywho, I'm ranting now. I, I also think though some of the other ones from that it, like a lot more controversy was around some of these color combinations where uh, cards were doing things that the color pie doesn't generally mm. do. So I think that was a problem as well, but I won't go into detail on that. I will say like, I choose to not buy them if other people have them. So be it. Yeah. But, I'll play against it. Yeah, exactly. Same. Um, but I'm curious where, where on the list did this land, Mike? This is starting to get a little bit more down there. This is, 28 so we're wow. you know more than a quarter of the way through the top 100 salty cards yeah I, I that's higher than i think i would have guessed to be honest but I, I think your point of like it's on here purely because of the climate it came in is like the most interesting part about it because mm-hmm. i totally think that's true don't All add right. us don't <laughs> add us on this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we want to talk about the controversy we don't want to dig up any bad feelings yeah. love our fans but don't add us on this one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for the uh, salty card of the week. Sweet. Thanks, Mike. And Nick, I believe you mentioned you had a uh, a guest segment cooked up. Yeah. So uh, since you guys like to dig up salty posts for other people, I went back to our own archives and looked at some <laughs> of the salty games that we've had in the past. Yes. So yes. we're going to call this this segment uh, Revisionist History. If you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it will be. <laughs> and it will be, for sure. So for those that don't know, I think this has been mentioned on the pod before, but uh, Sam does an amazing job for our playgroup in tracking just about every game that we've played. I am trapped in a prison of my own devising. <laughs> now when we play games, I am frantically typing literally what people do turn by turn. It is There is so much text and information that no one reads. <laughs> Until now. Until there are also now. some very important stats in there that we do take, and, and they are very interesting. But. Yeah. <laughs> so... The idea of this segment is to go back into our very own salt mine. And one of the things that uh, we've done a good part of tracking is what we call the saltiest bay. 
who is a yeah. player in the in the game who was particularly salty, such that the rest of the group felt that it it should be noted in in the notes that we do have. So, this game was the thirteenth game of Casual Commander that we had recorded, and it was September second, two thousand twenty. So almost what two and a half years ago, one and a half years ago. Yeah, almost two. So we have Tony playing Omnath. Sam was playing Alesha. So, uh, Mike was playing Adelie's The Cinder Wind, and I was playing Mogus God of War. That one time Mike played that wizard tribal <laughs> yeah. deck, I realized I hated it. <laughs> I, I will save the uh, the winner for the end. But here are the, here are the notes for the game, and these are abbreviated, but I'll read them in their their entirety here. So. Turn three, tireless tracker from Tony. Turn three, underworld dreams from Nick with an Urborg. Turn four, lunar mystic and whizzy lads from Mike. Turn four, Mogus comes in. Turn five, Omnath from T-Bone. Turn five, <laughs> Sam imperially recruits uh, for the one true bay, Michikana Honda. Ooh, love CRB. her. <laughs> love that. Love that bay. Turn five, Mike casts Stitch in Time and copies it with Sigil Tracer and gets one extra turn. Swings Beeg, B-E-E-G, spelled correctly, at Nick and puts him to 10. Turn six, polluted bonds from Nick and Mogus is online. Turn seven, Tony swings big at Sam with some elemental boys, knocks him down to nine. Turn seven, Mike casts Final Fortune and swings big. Nick sudden spoils. Mike swings big at Tony. Turn eight, Mike dies to underworld dreams. (laughs) Sam whines like a baby salt elemental. <laughs> so Sam, you had earned yourself saltiest bay of the game. And the note you put for salt moment of the game says, Sam whines a lot about spite plays and getting slapped by a bunch of elementals for doing so. Salty boy status, double salt rating. <laughs> I think I remember this one. I, I think that I had done something to like, so, so basically, Tony's Omnath Locus of Rage deck has a lot of instant speed panache to it. And basically what he'll do is like shit out a bunch of elemental tokens, have a sack outlet, and then hold us hostage like a jerk. And basically <laughs> the, the first person who does anything to him, he just like rips out a ton of damage and crushes him. In classic Tony fashion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my rant about spite response. plays was appropriate <laughs> however <laughs> however i acknowledge that i was extremely unpleasant that day and in doing so gave myself a double salt rating so that means basically when the stats get calculated that counts as being salty for two games mm. uh, and and it probably should have been three i was gonna say i feel like i'm feeling some of that salt now like <laughs> i hope was so that... i'm weighing it on pretty thick was uh <laughs> was that the game that inspired you to get the don't be salty gear <laughs> my my don't be salty card uh we haven't talked about that yet i have a, a token i've written don't be salty with like a really grumpy face on it and then it, it says be nice with a smiley face and when i get salty now i take it out and i put it on my mat <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a once a game thing for you or like <laughs> No dude, I'm I'm like a recovered salt addict. Uh, <laughs> things are getting much better. This is um, like Sam's double A meeting. Yeah, like things things <laughs> used to be way saltier for me and now they're now they're pretty good. Sort of. I think, you know, we've talked about this a lot before, but for our group again, this is like kind of a rare pod. We're very 
we're very insulated. We know each other really well. We know each other's decks really well, and the, our play styles. And because of that, we're able to do a lot of this fun stuff like tracker games and, and kind of have that, that extra layer of enjoyment. One of the reasons why we started to track who was saltiest was to really kind of make it into sort of a fun joke, you know, to kind of make it into this fun extra thing where it actually did take away some of those feel bads for being salty. Like we talked about posts today where people are being salty at the table and it kind of brings everyone down. So by turning that into like a little bit of an inside joke with our crew to call that person the saltiest baby, kind of make it like a funny title and to track it and turn it into the stat really did help all of us. Maybe not Mike, he's like never salty, (laughs) really did help all of us kind of curb our salty behavior because you'd start to get salty and the other three players would be like, "Ah, I think we got the saltiest bay on our hands here. And you'd be like, no, no, no. I know I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I got, I'm cool. Stuff it down. And then you just mute your mic and you scream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now you, we should almost track it by like how silent they get. Like, <laughs> like something bad happens and they just mute. You see the instant mute. And it's just like, well, that is Mike. Mike is the silent salty. He, when he's salty, he just talks very little for the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks, Nick. I think that was awesome. And we will definitely be doing that, uh, revisiting more of our past posts, our past stories. I will say the notes are way better now. They truly are (laughs) turn by turn, card by card, game action by game action, Uh, almost painstakingly so. We will probably never read them on the air because they are so dense. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate you bringing that. That was awesome, man. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I think it's fun to like, you know, we have these these notes going back, you know, at this point, a few years to go look back and mm-hmm. see where we were. Like some of the decks, like a lot of the decks we don't even play anymore. I think a lot of them have been taken apart. So that's always fun too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Really a little cool trip down memory lane. Well, thanks everybody. I'm glad you guys were able to join us today. Our first guest episode, this episode's a little longer than normal, but we hope that you guys love listening to us uh, pal around with Nick and, and have him on the show. Definitely going to have him on the show again in the future. And thanks again for stopping by the, the Howling Salt Mine podcast. You guys know that you can find us on Reddit. Our username is the Howling Salt Mine. Uh, take a look in our bio that has all of our social media links, links to where you can find the podcast. However, if you're listening to this, you've probably already found it. <laughs> if you see us around the subreddits, say hi. If you find salty posts, shoot them to us in a DM. We love that kind of stuff. And send us your salty stories as well. We have a Gmail account. We love to hear salty stories, uh, stories of really epic moments. Our Gmail is thehowlingsaltmine at gmail.com. And um, as always with those stories, we do ask you guys to keep it short, sweet, and to the salt. We really want to kind of get to the heart of it. A couple paragraphs would be perfect. But, you know, if you do want to send us a longer story with some additional context, feel free to but we may have to cut it down a little bit and edit it for the show. But again, we really appreciate you guys stopping by. Nick, we loved having you on, man. This is, this is awesome. So glad you could be our first guest. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Well, thanks, everyone. And as always, stay salty. And don't forget to draw an additional card during your draw step. It's the Howling One more salty po- post.
got one more salty post for you. Oh, take that, take that less dirty, please. <laughs> that'll be in the that'll be in the outtakes for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely a contender.